When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, today's guest is Norwegian singer, songwriter, and guitarist Sandra Lurke. Together we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the single Bad Law, taken from his 2014 and seventh album overall, Please. This track has easily become one of my favorite songs. There are elements of dance, 80s pop, funk, electronica, all rolled together and broken up by some of the craziest ambient noise you've ever heard in a song. On paper, it looks like it shouldn't work. A disaster in the making. But it's anything but that. Sandra mentioned that this was always the idea he had for the song. To offer up a happy, fun, danceable piece of music, combined with dark, heartfelt lyrics, and intersperse that with outbursts of musical chaos. To say it's unique is an understatement. I've never quite heard anything like it. And to add to this amazing chaos, Sandra tells an interesting story about radio programmers who were reluctant or downright refused to play the track because it was so out there. For all this and a whole lot of other noise, don't you go anywhere. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Sandra, how are we doing? Uh, pretty good. A little uh, woozy because I, I got my third uh, shot yesterday. And uh, I don't know. It's doing things to me. But I'm, I'm good. I'm in good spirit. <laughs> well, I think the uh, psychedelic aspect of that will be good with uh, and very fitting uh, today with uh, talking about your song, Bad Law. There's some moments in there that uh, <laughs> that kind of... Uh, <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> that, that, that kind of correlates to. But uh, where, where am I talking to you from today? I am in Oslo, in my uh, home, I guess, in Oslo. I, I, uh, after living in, uh, in the States for, for 15 years, I've been mostly in Norway lately, and now I, I find myself in this place here in, in Oslo. Okay, so you're not based in LA anymore. No, I, I'm trying to figure out what to do because I still have my, my place there. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nearing like having to make a, a grand life decision, you know, to either move out of that place and sell all my stuff maybe or or to keep living there but i, I do miss la uh, a bunch but you know now with the new album out and and everything i'm going to be touring a bunch anyway so I'm, I'm you know lord knows where i actually will live by the end of this very cool i'm glad you mentioned the new album i want to talk about that a little bit you know you've you've been at this now for for over 20 years your your first record uh faces down came out in 2001 it was then released in america in 2002 uh your latest album came out uh just this april of 2022 uh, the new album is called avatars of love it's a double album tell us a little bit about this man this this album is is it's kind of the record i never thought i'd be able to make really i i I wasn't planning on making a, a new record so soon after the last one. I, I put out um, put out a record called Patience just less than two years ago, um, and that was a really big one. That was a big long process, 
but you know, I just suddenly found myself in in the sort of greatest inspired flow of my career. I felt uh, and writing songs I never thought I'd be able to capture, and 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 recording um, with a bunch of my friends in in Bergen, in my hometown in Norway, because I was suddenly there, and the pandemic was happening, and and there was all this time to to do it, and I just felt really thankful that I, I felt so inspired amidst all of this. I know a lot of people haven't felt super inspired, but I was at an intersection in my life where, where it just led me to these songs and, and suddenly it was a double album and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of, uh, it feels really special. So I, I've been so, so excited to share these, these songs on this album. Sometimes despair and loneliness and anger and frustration and feeling trapped, uh, that can lead to inspiration. We never know as songwriters where that's going to come from. Exactly. What do you attribute that to? When You know, I've, I've been in, uh, in droughts before where yeah. I just don't want to pick up. I don't want to pick up the guitar. I don't want to sing. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm just not inspired. And, and there's sometimes I'll force myself to do it. And rarely does something good come out of that <laughs> that's usable. I find that, that, I, that I have to be inspired either by pain, by happiness, whatever. Yeah, it's such a strange dynamic. I, I used to be so when I was younger, I used to be so afraid of stopping because I, I I was afraid I wouldn't like be able to jump in back back into the groove again. Um, but then as I grew more confident that yeah, you know, I'm a songwriter, it's what I do, and I I I can have periods of time where I don't you know don't write songs for a couple of months really. Although I usually have something cooking, but. But I, I, yeah, I felt, you know, you never, like you say, you never know when inspiration is going to hit. But I, I do believe that, you know, inspiration needs to find you working and, and, and searching for it, you know. And, and so I felt really blessed that when all this stuff was going down and with regards to the pandemic and shutdowns and lockdowns and all of that stuff and a lot of plans changed, um, I felt really grateful that that just happened to be the time when when my sort of creative juices were really really flowing and that may have had something to do with uh where i was in my life regardless of the pandemic um but yeah it's definitely uh i think you know also with regards to the song that we're going to talk about today that came from a, a chaotic and intense time in my life as well and and it did feel very fruitful so uh, i hate to admit it but yeah i i do i i do maybe write my best stuff when I guess at least when I have a lot of question marks in my head when I don't know what the heck's yeah, going on of course yeah well, the bad law is from uh, Sandra's seventh studio album, Please, which was released in uh, September of 2014. And I read that, and I think it's what you were just uh, alluding to. I, I read that it's your divorce record. This is what, yeah, this is, I guess I, I tried to be, uh, uh, you know. Those are always fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the best ones. Um, yeah, I, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I remember like trying to find like delicate ways of putting, I, you know, obviously I couldn't go around telling people, oh, so have you heard my new divorce record? <laughs> right. But it was, 
pretty obvious, I guess, because uh, you know it, it did come out of uh, the confusion and and uh, and uh, I don't know, you know, the, the confusion of that 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 time in your life when everything changes, you know, everything doesn't turn out the way you planned or you hoped or you thought. Uh, and you f- maybe you feel like the, the last one to find <laughs> to find out or to realize. And so f- I guess f- in many ways it felt like a or and people did tell me it's it's not a typical divorce record because it 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 was a record that really, really seeked to to sort of put where I seek to put myself in every possible perspective. And so it's it's not an accusatory, bitter <laughs> album. it's 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 an album of of confusion and wonder and uh you know there are sad songs and there are thankful songs and there's a couple of couple of angry ones but but it's 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 the whole uh experience i tried i really really wanted to understand what was going on in my life and and what mm-hmm. what the years before had been and so i like to think that it's a it's a it's a loving divorce album <laughs> yeah well and yeah the, the this is like a funky dance pop song yeah it's it's happy if you, if you don't listen to the lyrics man <laughs> you just want to get on the dance floor and have a great time but then you zone in on the lyrics and there is a dark undertone there yeah. but i think the 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 mix between them uh is perfect i've always loved music like that i've loved really aggressive hard music that has uh you know kind of uplifting funny lyrics mm. and, and just the opposite i like super happy music with depressing lyrics they they, they can all work together in a really cool way do you remember writing bad law i do and and, and it was a it was sort of an experiment really because i was really really wanting to branch out of just writing songs on a on an acoustic guitar on my lap i wanted to to see if there are other ways for me to arrive at a song and 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 so there's a couple of songs on the album where i really deliberately tried to write to a track to a rhythm pattern that i came up with or that we worked out in the studio with some of the musicians. And, and in the beginning, I found that incredibly challenging because I was so attached to, to the acoustic guitar and to, to sort of just writing from, from a more sort of you know, classic, I guess, classic singer-songwriter uh, structure. But I do remember um, being afforded, I think, five days in, in, a, in a studio up, up north in Norway we were playing a festival and, and the festival owned the studio and they said, Hey, do you want to use this beautiful studio? It's called ocean sound. It's beautiful. You want to use the studio for, for, uh, for five days before you, you play a show. And I thought, well, this is, this is a great opportunity because up until that point, I had always come very, very well prepared into the studio. I would have all the songs written out, like everything very thoroughly composed and then I'd, I'd record the songs and I, I guess I was longing to to see what would happen if I didn't have everything ready and if, if I you know approach the studio also with as, as a as a means to write the song you know because I would always write the song before the studio and so I thought well you know I'll I'll, I'll, I'll for once I'm going to enter the studio without um, any songs and I'll bring my drummer Dave and and my um my, I guess my producer, one of my producers that I've worked with through the years, Kato Odlam, we'll go up there together and we'll just jam and play and see if something comes from it. And it felt really daunting and exciting and strange to me because it's just not how I, it's, it was really, really removing myself from, from my sort of safety zone. And, and uh, one of the, on the last day, I, I, I had the impetus to sort of shake things up 
and uh, I came up with the, the riff that is uh, the battle R riff, and and we just jammed on that, and and I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. This is fun. I want to. I want this. <laughs> I want this to be a song. Uh, which it wasn't yet. So this was one of the, the this is one of the later ones in the process as you were in the studio creating. Yeah, this was uh, yeah, this was sort of at this point I had started recording in several different studios, and I, instead of doing the album in one go, I would just start recording songs in different constellations. I had just met a bunch of musicians who, who I started playing with live, and who still to this day are are my my backing band. Um, including my drummer Dave, who really took part um, in a great way in, in the recording of Bad Law. And, and so I, I felt like rejuvenated in the sense that I had found my, my people and, and I felt more confident. So I guess that's why I felt confident enough that I can, okay, maybe I, maybe I can find a different way of writing a song. But it did, you know, once I came home with the, uh, this recording, it did take me a long time to turn it into the song that that people know now as bad law. It was so, um, it, it, yeah, it was a really <laughs> daunting task. I, t- I remember taking it back, you know, I was living in, in Brooklyn and Williamsburg at the time. I, I took the, the tracks back and I would just sit and try to, you know, come up with melodies and, and lyrics, but I would feel so naked without the guitar. But part of the, the challenge was, was to try to, to see what just rhythmically also how I would um, come up with different, melodies and different patterns if i wasn't like uh, so so when you were taking when you were taking the tracks with you back back to brooklyn for instance were, were you chopping them up then and thinking hey maybe this should be different or was that going on during this process yeah uh, uh, quite a bit and i was you know because it this came out of a the, the track came out of a a long jam and and so i was constantly trying to edit it down to create a song structure even though i didn't yet have yeah. the melody or the lyrics so i was trying to trying to create the, the structure but i was trying to create the structure of the song before i had i had the song in a sense yeah okay you had mentioned uh producer uh uh kato adlan and yeah. uh I guess he recorded, mixed, and produced three other songs from the album, uh, including "Bad Law." So, how, how does he come into? How did he come into play? How did you meet him? Because I, I couldn't find much information on him. Yeah, no, he's a very elusive character. Um, I, I see <laughs> the elusive Katowodlan. I know him really well because when I started out playing shows and I got signed to Virgin Records, he was the guitar player in my band. Um, so we, oh, okay. we toured, uh, the world together for the first couple of records for faces down and two way monologue and, and some of the other ones. And then he sort of retired from touring and, and he started his own studio and, and it just became natural that we, we continue working together there. And so he's co-produced, you know, so many of my records since the you know, Harpy radio, the self-titled record, a lot of the stuff on, on please some of the stuff on pleasure and stuff on patience and yeah and then the new stuff also so we i've worked with him for over 20 years um in different capacities and he he played a a, a, a huge part in in making bad law happen that's awesome well it the track sounds awesome sonically the production is is really cool there's parts in this that we're going to touch on that mm. are beyond cool it's some of the craziest things i've ever heard in, 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 a, musical, <laughs> that's so, in a pop track oh that's fantastic to hear that's he also plays the bass on the on the on the track oh he does yeah. it, it's awesome what did you play on the track beside obviously uh, vocals um i play all the guitars 
uh, all the like, yeah, electric guitars. I guess that's about it. Um, and I, yeah, I sing all the all the backing vocals as well. That some of them okay. are really. I was yeah. gonna, I was gonna ask, <laughs> I was gonna ask, is that you or is that a female backing vocalist? It's all vocalist? me. Because <laughs> and is that is that is that falsetto? It is. I I remember being really really surprised that I managed to 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 go that high. I was gonna say it's got to be falsetto, and it's and it and it sounds awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was. It was. It. It. You really needed that to for it to cut cut through and. And I I, uh, I didn't know that I could do it, but uh, you know we we uh, I made it you know with with a little bit of studio trickery. It's you know anything's possible. I think I just refer to them as harmonies, but they're actually octaves. But exactly. Yeah. There's there's yeah. No, it's not it's not no. it's not a true harmony, which is which is really adds to the coolness of it. And we'll and we'll touch on yeah. that. I want to yeah. jump in jump into the track right yeah, now. Yeah, let's do it. Three minutes and thirty two seconds. Uh, perfect little length for a pop song. Three and a half minutes. Uh, this is the first song, and I'm. I'm up uh, around 100 episodes. We're at like, I don't know, almost two years of, wow. of, of doing this podcast. Wow. This is the first song of all seventh chords <laughs> I've ever previewed. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. It, it, and I'm, I'm going through the song. I'm like These are all sevens. Yeah. And for the listeners, I'm going to keep this very basic. A seventh chord basically is a guitar chord that uh, that adds a fourth note, which is the seventh note mm. of the scale. And this song, there's there's four chords. It's a G major seventh, a D major seventh, a B minor seventh, and an F major seventh. And uh, just uh, uh, in, in different orders and uh, structures, it's it's really neat. And I was just like, you'll, you'll see those seventh chords uh, in, in many different songs, but, but a lot of times in funk and dance yeah. uh, music. Yeah. And it just adds that that tension throughout the song. I, I, I really like it. Uh, there's an eight bar intro with just hand claps and a clean guitar panned off left of center before we get into verse one. And uh, uh, verse one is is a double verse. My baby surrendered to fate and I couldn't even say how I felt later on that evening. It was in vain cause I knew they were out to get me Players four or five fingers fly On a sticky plastic bag And scan my blue bloodshot eyes For the history of my trials My baby surrendered to fate And I couldn't even say how I felt later on that evening Stating my name to the officer's aide was in vain, because I knew they were out to get me. Place four of five fingers flat on a sticky plastic bat. Scan my blue bloodshot eyes for the history of my trials. <laughs> wow, man, you're you're a messed up you're a messed up dude. <laughs> yeah, man, it's 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 really funny to hear it uh, recited back, <laughs> spoke spoken to you, and, and with such great uh, yeah, that's a good reading. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it was it was so tricky. Once I came up with a melody for this, it had this like spoken almost rap quality to it, which for me made it so much harder to come up with the word words because it had to rhyme in different different places than your you know your average song. And 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 I guess also because I'm I'm so used to working with m much more chords and structure, I, I'm not used to repeating like the, the four same chords the way the song does for 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 a lot a, a lot of it and so mm -hmm. it, i was sort of really deliberately trying to limit all these tools but it made it that made me feel that i have the melody has to really 
move, you know? And yeah, the lyrics, man, it was so tricky. I wrote so many terrible drafts for this, for this, uh, <laughs> for this lyric, but it, 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 in the end, like the, the sort of image or the scene that I, I ended up sticking with was just the scene that I have been in so many times when I'm going, you know, having lived in America, but being a foreigner from Norway, before I had a, a green card, I would have to get in line and, and answer the same sort of really, really skeptical questions every time. And, and even as a, you know, as a, I, I, I had nothing to hide. I didn't, I didn't really, you know, I, I didn't, and I certainly didn't look that suspicious. I look cute and sweet, you know? So, <laughs> but even, even so, even so I always felt this paranoia that God, they're going to, they're going to get me this time or, you know, and that's where that that's where that line is stating my name to the officer's aid was in vain. Yeah, because uh, I, I knew they were out to get me. Exactly. So it's this whole lyric in a way is written from that sort of paranoid angle where, you know, you have done nothing wrong. But at the same time, the authority that you're faced with um, is so grand and so uh, intimidating that you start doubting yourself and, and you start, well, maybe I do have something to hide or maybe I, you know, did do wrong. And, and I felt, well, this, this whole sort of ritual um, of, you know, immigration. Um, yeah, you couldn't have possibly been in Brooklyn just working on your record. You had to have been doing something. Yeah, there, ex- right? exactly. And what's in, you know, what's in your <laughs> luggage and, well, you know, where, where, <laughs> yeah. where, you know, what does your father do? What does your mother do? All these uh, questions. Like, Dude, this is my this is my career. I'm not going to jeopardize it for a roach in my suitcase. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. So it, it was a. It, it, I just thought, well, that paranoia and that sort of suspicion that that you can transfer that to a discussion, maybe with a, a lover or a, a former lover, where where you just you're just not up to the task. You 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 know you're sort of in the right, but rhetorically you are you're failing. You know, and you're you're just not. Uh, you're not able to to sort of. I guess in the second verse, I move on to to um, almost like a court of law, uh, where you're sort of mm-hmm. stating your case. And I thought that would also be like a really intimidating setting, where if you can't convince the 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 court that you didn't do this or that you didn't do anything wrong, it doesn't matter if you did or didn't do it. It's it's all about rhetor- rhetorical powers. And, and, and I felt, uh, yeah. I came out short. Court of public opinion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, now the, now these lines make a lot more sense. Place four or five fingers flat on a sticky plastic bat, scan my blue bloodshot eyes for the history of my trials. I like, I like the imagery there in this first verse, uh, right when it kicks in, uh, the hand claps become uh, a kick and snare drum that are in time with those hand claps. The guitar is still playing that same part as the intro. I love on the back half of this verse, when it starts to place four or five fingers, uh, that I just read that lyric, there's only four bass notes here Yeah. Uh, at the start of the ninth, 10th. It skips the 11th and 12th measure, but it's back on the 13th and 14th measure. How did that come about? Why that placement? Because it's really, it's really placed well, I think. Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of that stuff. It just, yeah, it just, just happens, you know, it's. It's, happy accidents. Uh, yeah, happy exactly. It, it, I think a lot of the art to 
to recording is is being able to to having an eye for the happy accidents and and uh, and 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 it's sort of like I when I play live if I make a mistake I I usually just try to do it one more time because then maybe it'll be a cool thing you know all these things that you yeah. you would never think to do when once you do it by mistake you might as well do it one more time maybe that's the thing you know and I, I and there's certainly an element of that to bad law so is this next part. Sandra, do you feel the next part is the pre-chorus or the chorus? I'm calling it the chorus, but I can make an argument. I can also make an argument that this is the chorus, but we also get two choruses later on when we get the baby, it's a bad, bad law part, because both parts are equally as catchy and killer. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that was a problem I guess I had with, with the song, because I, I felt sort of like you're saying that this in a way is a pre-chorus, but the actual chorus in my mind is baby it's a bad bad law that that only happens i think like two over two minutes into the song it does but the first time it happens i'm calling a bridge and then yeah, the last exactly. time it happens i'm call, I'm, call, I'm calling it either i'm <laughs> either calling it the bridge part two the post chorus or what i'm actually saying i think it's the outro at the yeah, end yeah exactly but again exactly. But again, it's such a hook that I think mm. it, it stands hand in hand with uh, the next line I'm about to read, which I'm calling the chorus as well. Yeah. So we're gonna call this we're gonna call this chorus one. When crimes are passionate. Yeah. Can love be separate? And you say that again. Uh, the what I would call initially the harmony. It's not. It's actually uh, another melody, which is just an octave that you're singing in that high falsetto. Yeah. It's really awesome. The bass is all in on this chorus. The bass is super funky. Uh, Kato did an awesome yeah. job on, on the bass. Yeah. I love. I love the tone and, uh, and and the groove and the feel there. Yeah. And there's another like swirly sound underneath the guitar or keys, like the single note thing. Do you recall what that was? Is that another keyboard? Yeah, you know what that is? That's a, I had bought. I remember up in the studio the, in Ocean Sound. I had bought this freeze pedal. Is it like a flanger? It kind of almost sounds like a flanger. Yeah, it's sort of. Bit. I think you just press it, and then it sort of freezes whatever the note or the core that you have, and then just makes almost like a, a pad out of it. And then you can. Yeah. And that's and I just enjoy that a lot because I I do love pads, and I I was starting to realize that I. I most love to hear my my chords played uh, on pads and and obviously playing the guitar that's kind of hopeless. So I, I like this freeze pedal. It kept breaking, but I used it for this, and I, I I would just hit it every time I I I changed the chord, and it would create this sort of like yeah, like a like a sort of guitar pad almost. I love it. Yeah. it. It's a very different, different sound. I was trying to figure out what the heck that was and uh, how you described it is exactly how I hear it. That's great. Okay, good. Because I, I was worried now. I was like, God, I haven't listened to the, the recording in, in a while. Will I will I remember how we did any of this stuff? Well, and and this song is uh, let's see, uh, I'm terrible at math. This song's about eight years old. I've I've previewed songs on the show that are 25, 30, 40 years old. Now you got to have an artist that hasn't listened to the song that long ago. So so uh, <laughs> your your memory is uh, your memory is pretty pretty good here. Good after chorus one and chorus one's eight bars. And then there's an eight-bar interlude after chorus one. Uh, the first four measures of guitar panned off left, mm. and there's almost like these electrical digital zaps, these glitches mm. that are happening. Mm. And then all of a sudden, halfway through, the guitar 
goes stereo. Yeah. Now we're hearing it stereo. And then you hear a whistle, like a human whistle, like you're from, from you know, <laughs> from your lips, panned off to the right into and I'm gonna try to set this up for the listeners as best I mm. can, into four bars of absolute mayhem and insanity. It sounds like a rave scene in a movie that was that was directed by Stanley Kubrick starring Timothy Leary. It's one of the coolest moments I've ever I've ever heard music. It's totally blown out and clipping. There's like these distorted keyboard stabs. Was this an accident at two in the morning? You're sitting in the apartment in Williamsburg and, and, and you're up and, and uh, your system crashed and that's what you heard and you recorded it. How did this, how did this come about? No, this, this is from the original uh, jam recording. I, you know, I came up with the, the, the riff and all that stuff. To me, that, this is the most important part of the song is, is that riff. And and the fact that you know you're the rest of the song is is groovy and and catchy, but it's all interrupted by this yeah this digital uh, noisy glitch, and and I just thought well this that is that's the main attraction you have you can have hooks that you can sing along to, but I I immediately just gravitated towards the idea that I want people to to hear this song and or and or identified by that thing where it's like. I, I want to hear that song again, where everything just suddenly, you know, goes to shit. Well, I'm all I'm, I'm also <laughs> hearing now. Now that I know what now that I know what the song's about, I'm also hearing that, like, this is your brain just melting yeah, down exactly. for eight eight seconds. You're going through this divorce. It's this frustration. Yeah. It's this anger. Now we're back. Now we're back in this pop song. It's like, what have you? Has anybody ever told you that they've been driving down the freeway? <laughs> with this song cranked for the first time and that part comes on and they turn the stereo off real quick going, they think their stereo's blowing yes. up. Yes. <laughs> I, I have, yeah, I have heard, uh, there's I, there's another song also on the record on Please called Sentimentalist and, <laughs> and by the end of that, it also goes into like white noise. Some people are into it and some people are like, like, why, why would you do that? Why, what's the point <laughs> yeah. of breaking my yeah, stereo? You, you ruined this beautiful dance pop yeah, song. Exactly. What are you doing? But man, this, this part is intense. It's one of the heaviest moments of music. It's heavy on par with like the heaviest like death metal records I, I've ever listened to in some aspects. It's like got that tonality <laughs> to it. I'm happy to hear because it was it obviously it was something that some people challenged and some people got into, but to me, it was that I think that is the catchiest part of the song is, is, is the sensation of, of, of that sound and that riff uh, being played that well, uh, that way. And, and, and that interruption where, where you think, you know, where it's heading and then, and then suddenly this hyper aggression and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a very aggressive guy. I, I can, I can live out all these different emotions in music, but I'm, I'm typically not a, a very aggressive guy and I'm a very diplomatic guy. And, and I think in a way this riff spoke for, for the, the sort of the unspoken uh, anger in me. Uh, and I thought it, it would just, it was just so liberating. And I, 
I remember thinking at uh, at the time about that Blur song, the song two, like woohoo. That that uh-huh. kind of outburst. I was like, I wanted to to be that kind of ritual where you're just like, once that has happened once, you're just like tingling with the hope and expectation that maybe it will happen again. And it's sort of dangerous, but it's also completely exhilarating, you know? Yeah, you used a couple words. You said, uh, I believe, uh, to describe this as an outburst. Yeah. And then you said you said uh, an interruption. I think outburst is the yeah <laughs> is exactly what this is. And after this outburst, you're back into the song. Yeah, immediately you're now you're at, now into verse two. It's like this chaos happens, and now you're back into the track. To myself, I retraced every step and found a way to redact and retell my story. No evidence and no witness to some finesse. I confess it all sounds unlikely. A sweaty paranoid palm pressed against the leather wall. The law and all is fought. Me in an oversized overall. In route to my cell, I retraced every step and found a way to redact and retell my story. No evidence and no witness to summon or finesse. I confess it all sounds unlikely. A sweaty, paranoid palm pressed against a leathered wall. The law and all its flaws. Me in an oversized overall. <laughs> wow, yeah. You're not going to a, uh, to, a, to a pajama party, it sounds like. No, I guess, yeah, here I'm, I'm sort of... I'm following, uh, I'm following this idea that, yeah, I, I got, I, they, they think I'm guilty of something and now I'm, I'm in jail and, and I'm about to be led into court to, to state my case. And yeah, it was sort of, it was fun to describe uh, the visuals very, very vividly. Uh, I, I hadn't really up until this point, I hadn't really been that interested in in the the kind of the room or the 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 fabric of the clothes or you know stuff like that i'd been mostly just interested in matters of the heart and and here i i found it really fun to to try to describe the leathered book you know the the, a leathered wall i guess is is you know you you you're asked to place your 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 palm on on uh what is it the bible or the the book of laws or i don't i've never actually been (laughs) as you can tell i've never actually been been held up for something but um but yeah it was fun to just describe all these textures and surfaces if you can walk away cut hey everybody i'm cutting in real quick here just to let you know that we got lots more with Sandra Lerke after a few words from our sponsors. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? 
I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey, Chris Makes a Podcast producer Chris Fafalius here. You may have heard me talk about my band Punchline before. Maybe you already know us, or maybe you're hearing about us for the first time right now. It doesn't matter. No matter what your relationship with Punchline is, I will absolutely guarantee that you'll love our new podcast, A Band Called Punchline. Starting with our humble beginnings in a small town in southwestern Pennsylvania in 1997, we're telling the hilarious, strange, and hopefully inspiring story of the 25-plus years of our band in the most honest way possible, podcast style. A Band Called Punchline is an audio documentary available now wherever you get your pods, So subscribe and let me and my friends share a wild, entertaining, unique, and wonderful tale of music and perseverance unlike any other that's still being written today. And now, back to the show. I'll tell you something else I really love about this song in general is the rhyme scheme of the lyrics or, or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah. You don't really get rhymes. You don't really get rhyme. You're, you're telling. I feel like you're telling a story, which really adds to uh, adds to this to me. Uh, you do get rhymes, though. You know, the no evidence and no witness to summon or finesse. Then the next line is, I confess, mm. it all sounds unlikely. Mm-hmm. So finesse, confess, you're getting in there, but it's not at the ends uh, of, of the lines, which would typically where, where you'd find your rhyme. So I really like that. The first half uh, is just like verse one here, uh, but there's bass throughout this verse, mm. unlike the the sporadic the, the sporadic notes in, in verse one. The second half of the verse here on verse two, the drum groove changes here, particularly on the hi-hat. It's doing like this shuffle thing. Yeah. I love, I love that. It sounds unlikely. Yeah, the, the the drums throughout on this, like my drummer Dave Heilman, he 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 just did a phenomenal job. And most of the songs I re- write and and that we record together, I I write them on my own alone, and then I, I take them into the studio or the rehearsal space with with all these incredible people and re- resources that I work with. But so it was rare for me to actually be in the room together with other people while sort of the song took shape. And, and, uh, and that, I think that was probably a first in a sense. And, and so Dave was right there when this happened and, and responded to it. And so he became a, a, an integral part of, of how the, the, oh, the song happened. And he plays so well together with Kato on bass. It's cool. I love that hi-hat feel. Yeah. It just does something yeah. to that really second does. half of that verse. It it really uh, just, I don't know, it, it's a really it's needed there and it's the perfect part uh we're right into chorus two the first four bars of chorus two are like that of chorus one however there are hand claps here that are now on the beat of the drums yeah so the hand claps come back right yeah uh, we're on chorus we're on chorus one when did that discussion come is that something uh, again you're 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 up at three in the morning and you can't <laughs> sleep and you're like I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw the hand claps here on, on a chorus too 
Maybe. I don't know. No, it's probably just something that, you know, you know, maybe this will work, but you don't think too much about it. And then you get used to it. And then maybe you try to remove it because it's like, well, we, we didn't actually make a decision there. But once you remove it, you realize, oh, it's now an integral part of the song. And so, you you know, it just has to be. I've had people tell me that the mixers muted it by accident. I've had other people tell me that, well, yeah, we meant to put the hand closer, right. but we forgot. Yeah, right. You know, and now now, now here it is, and it's and it's it's how it is. So I, I always like to ask those questions. So uh, that ended up there somehow, and it, I think I think it's cool. It helps build the song. Yeah, it, it's it's really, you know, you want a little bit of movement. And, 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 and I, I remember thinking also at the time that, the sort of vocal range is kind of flat. It doesn't like, except of course for the the octave falsettos. It, it the verses mm-hmm. and the chorus are, are are kind of in the same range, so it doesn't give me yeah. give me that much to sort of dramatize with when we go into the the chorus. That's a great point. Yeah, so I, we needed other things to sort of move it along and and, and elevate it um, because because you don't really get the the big hook until so much later in the song when you get the bad, bad law hook, you know? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Did these, what I'm calling the choruses, they don't really lift there. No, so things no. like the hand clap, those, those little things help it. I, I say they don't lift, but at the same time, it's still catchy as ever. Yeah, it's I, so catchy. I, 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 it took me a long time to trust that it would work because I typically, like probably a lot of people, I will go for some sort of lift and, and maybe that'll happen in the, in the chords. It will happen in the vocal range. But here... The chords are sort of sort yeah. of the same, and the vocal range is the same. So I was really worried about that um, uh, because because it, it was out of character for me to to not write a song that had that organic lift. But it just meant that we had to be extra smart in the recording to 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 give that lift. And then, of course, the payoff comes in the in that noise riff, and also in the in the new. Extra the bonus well, hook, you know. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that noise riff again. So, uh, chorus two, the first lyric again is the same lyric. When crimes are passionate, can love be separate? It's just like chorus one, yeah. and then the second time it happens, it's played over that explosiveness again from that interlude mm-hmm. part. It's like you can hear the the octave uh, falsetto. <laughs> the the chorus is still going, but this chaos and this mm-hmm. noise comes back in. When crimes are passionate. Again, I'm going to use the example. I was not a raver kid, but man, <laughs> this part reminds me of like a dance rave track and this chaos where all of a sudden the next part comes in. I'm calling the bridge. Yeah. It's four measures with a really cool drum feel with these cool tom. There's some cool uh, drum stuff going on with the toms there. Um, and it sounds like two separate synth patterns are happening here. And when this part comes in, it's this just this sigh of relief from the chaos when this part yeah. is like, ah. It doesn't feel like the rest of the song here, though. It goes somewhere different. It's a great departure. Yeah, and and it's sort of, you know, it's really mainly just to sort of justify coming back again. You know, like like which yeah. which is what we do a lot in, in in pop songs. You know, you in order to create the the need and the hunger to to hear it again, you got to go somewhere else. And 
I think we just jammed on that that part, like a slight change of the chords, uh, certainly the beat changes, and we also have a lot of reverb on the drums here, so it's a different sort yes, of room. Yes. We enter a different room, but th- that drum pattern is really exciting. And uh, and I felt well, we you know we could stay here f- for for as long as we want because it's a really comfy comfy place. But it was really fun to then try to sing the the new hook over over that. It was originally written uh, where you will hear it later in the song, where you, where you hear it on the on the sort of chorus chorus chords. But here in this sort of little almost ambient uh, rhythmic space, um, it was suddenly yes. really really it felt really cool to sing. Baby, it's a bad, bad law. It's a bad, bad law. Geronimo. You know, I felt obviously I wanted the short, I, I wanted the song to be really concise and short, but part of me also wanted to just dub it out and stay there for five minutes, you know? Oh, the, well, this, this part just feels so good. You talked about entering another room. You can really hear the space yeah. now with those drums, yeah. the reverb. It, open, it opens up. The first four measures are this new feel. The last four measures, the vocals come in. The lyric is, baby, it's a bad, bad law. It's a bad, bad law, Geronimo. Baby, it's a bad, bad law. It's a bad, bad law, Geronimo. What are you saying there? Yeah, that's a good question. That was, I, I um, <laughs> this was a, this was the trickiest part because it sat, like, I, I think when I wrote that hook, I sang bad, bad, bad law. I had, I didn't have that as a title or anything, but it was just, it just happened to be what I, what I sang, baby, it's a bad, bad law. And, and I was like, well, bad, bad law, well, bad law. Well, okay. It felt like, well, it's kind of stupid, but it's like, like a uh, bad dog, you know, bad dog, bad law. I felt, okay, that's kind of <laughs> funny. And it sings well. And, and I do remember trying to write it uh, in, in different ways. And I would present it to Kato, um, who produced the track, of course. Where did Geronimo come in? What is that reference? Well, Geronimo, I don't remember what originally I had there, but I was, it was really hard syllable wise. And in terms of like getting it to really sound triumphant, it was really hard to find a word to fit there. Geronimo, that was the the melody. And I'm very particular with, with, especially with hooks. Like I I don't want to compromise the, the sort of, uh, the 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 skip of the the melody and so I I, yeah. I I was debating this whole thing and then I started singing Geronimo and and it was such a good word and I but I I was wondering well what what how does it all you know it's always a fine line where where you're you know sometimes I can be over intellectualizing things and 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 getting rid of the thing that was catchy because I I'm trying to make sense of it. So I've done that sometimes yeah. in the past and regretted it. And this was the other sort of end of that problem where it's like, who cares what it means? Exactly. Exactly. It sounds great. It sounded and, great. And it, and it works. It, it felt, it felt really good. And, 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 and to me, Geronimo was something I, I, of course I'd seen in, in, uh, in movies, in war movies, uh, where, yeah. where, Geronimo. where it, it, yeah, Geronimo, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the final sort the of rallying cry. Exactly. And I thought, well, that, you know, that, that could make sense. That's, that is, uh, that's the, it's the final straw in a way. And it was sort of out of character. How many times when you're working on a track, Sandra, have you found that you just, you say Geronimo on the demo or you say Geronimo on a first take, it's something to put there. And as you said, the placement, the syllables, how it sings and how it makes you feel, you're like, I can't sing Geronimo. So you put something else there. Uh, 
I want to go. Yeah, exactly. You know, whatever, 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 whatever you yeah. say, and you start to sing it, it doesn't have the same feeling to it. That's a great point that you brought up. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I had made that mistake. I think probably on the record before, or a couple of records, and I remember presenting new lyrics, and I don't remember what they were, but for that whole part that that now is bad, bad law, Geronimo, and I, I, I said, let's, can we? I, I want to change that. And and uh, and I went into the studio and I started singing and and Kato let me do it. He captured it and I came back in and he said, "Yeah, so cool. Does it work?" And he's like, "Nope, <laughs> it doesn't work." <laughs> Stay with the original. Uh, let me tell you yeah. something else. I, I absolutely love. I love here, and I didn't realize it until repeated listens. I'm like. Why does this make me feel different? Of course, you mentioned the chords from the bridge are different than the outro underneath the baby. It's a bad law, but I wasn't talking. I'm not, I'm not referencing that. I'm talking about the high melody in the bridge is louder than the low melody. Mm. The low melody then takes over at the very end. And man, that is cool. Was that conscious or did you come up with that? I, yeah, probably in the excitement that I could sing that high, <laughs> I, I felt like I got kind of cocky and it just felt so smooth against the texture of the rest of the song, especially knowing what's to come, that, that we are, of course, going to go out on that big, harsh, uh, uh, noisy uh, riff. And I just, there was something about like the delicate, tender softness of, of that falsetto versus like the, the harsh knife that is that riff you know that softness you speak of it's kind of like I, I wrote in my notes it's a very 80s inspired part it doesn't feel as 80s at the end it, it feels I, I say 80s here because it feels like it's a female voice leading it that yeah falsetto right. in, in the bridge it's so it's so good uh we immediately go into verse three I straddled out on the stand my defense on my I straddled out on the stand. My defense scrawled on my hand. Killed time and time again, but then I lost again. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, obviously now we're in court and now, now this very nervous, anxious guy is, is trying to make, state his case. And I, I just like the idea that, you know, it's never a good thing. It's, I was actually thinking here also of like a comedian. If you see a comedian with, with notes written like on, on the palm of his hand or, you know, sweating. Um, it's probably not a good sign. It's it, then it's, it, it's just, <laughs> it's too, he's too nervous. He's too, you know, come back another day. Um, and I just, I like that image. And then, and that's why also the line killed time and time again to sort of imply that it, it didn't matter. It wouldn't matter if I, even if I did sort of kill, like you say, amongst comedians, you killed, you killed. Even if I did really have have the the, the audience sort of at the in, in feeding from the palm of my hand, it it wouldn't matter because they have already decided I'm guilty. So there was sort of I was trying to express <laughs> this sort of hopeless, hopeless like it, who you know it doesn't matter if I do a good job, it doesn't matter if I'm funny, it doesn't matter if I state my case. I'm doomed. I'm doomed. Yeah, exactly. And then of course, killed time, killed time and time again. But then I lost again. I just thought I was a funny strange line it's really it is really funny to hear it hear it again well this th this verse is awesome there's a couple things i want to talk about um did dave put uh, your drummer play the percussion on this song yes yeah 
because in this verse you're introduced to, do you know what an, a go-go bell is? No. And a go-go bell is almost like these, they look like mini cowbells almost. Yeah. It's a percussion instrument. That's what these sound like here. What is that that comes in here? Those little bells. My defense on my hand. I've always been under the impression that it is a regular cowbell. Okay, okay. A go-go bell, it's spelled A-G-O-G-O, a go-go bells. And, oh, okay. and I've used them before, yeah. and it, uh, could, it could very well be that. That's what it sounds like. And I, I wrote, or different pitched cowbells. Yeah, right. There's, there's different pitches going on yeah. here. And it comes in, it's like, whoa, it's almost like this <laughs> Latin feel. You yeah. Know, you'll hear this in, in, in Bossa Nova and stuff, yeah. this instrument. And uh, it, it's, it's really cool. Um, I also love in this verse, those single bass notes come back with really cool placement. It's on the first line uh, on stand there's a bass note there yeah. on the second line on hand there's a bass note and killed time and time again on again there's a bass note. only three bass notes there why <laughs> <laughs> this is a good question I, I th- that's I think that's really just caught those intuition as a bass player like obviously there's a lot going on rhythmically in the in the percussion and drum section there it provides relief yeah relief and and just air and space and it just felt like well the the action is here and then the bass just needs to be, you know, mining the store basically, you know, and then, then, and then, you know, the bass will have its moment say later in the song, you know, <laughs> I really like it. And then on, on, uh, I lost again at the very end, there's this very cool, like drum part that goes right into chorus three. <laughs> this chorus it's when crimes are passionate can love be separate we say that two times on the second time though uh, you don't say the whole thing you say when crimes are passionate and then i believe you say can be and it sounds like you say are what are you saying there (laughs) that's i had forgotten about that but yeah i think that's uh i think i had originally an idea that that i wanted that that whole that whole hook i wanted to be really robotic and just steady. So in a way, it's not part of the lead. It's just like a chorus, just saying, and kinds are passionate, you know, very. You stole a word I have down here, robotic. That we're yeah, gonna get right, to in exactly. A and, I, and I think I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think when we recorded it, when the vocals, I recorded words for us to almost sample and move around or change the pitch up. And so I, I think I, I have this vague memory that I, I may have just recorded random words like just are you know, I don't know. I think I had this idea that we would mo- do something with it. And I think in the end, we didn't actually em- employ that, but it's, st- <laughs> it's still there. And it was kind of cool. No, I think, I think it's really cool. I also noted here in chorus three that the, when I'm calling a go-go bells, cowbells, yeah. pitched cowbells, they're still present from verse three into chorus three. I love that. I love that. Yeah. There's, there's, I think if they would, I think if they would have been pulled there, you would have missed them. I think so too. It was, and it felt like, you know, when, when you're introducing something as, as, as sort of juicy and fun as that, it's sort of a crowd pleaser. You can't take it away. You you gotta, you know, you gotta (laughs) go all the way with it. It's, it's a, it's a really fun sound. Are you keeping the party going? Are you you making us, is it last call? I mean, you got to keep the party going, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's going to end in chaos anyway. And I feel then it's like, you know, everybody on deck, then, then we're, everybody should be, 
uh, involved. Let's get to that chaos. We're now in the outro. And when you say R, can be R or whatever I'm saying, there, whatever that word is, <laughs> yeah. that, that, act, that actually lands in the beat, in the next measure of this outro. Yeah. It's a bad, bad law. It's a bad, bad law, Geronimo. And that happens four more times after that. The first two here, it's just synth and those crackles happen again. Here I wrote, it almost sounds like pops on a vinyl record. Mm. It's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It's it's sort of, I, I, I wish I remembered the, the name of the pedal because it was something, it was, it was like a dis, di, sort of digital distortion pedal that I had, I think I had seen St. Vincent use it or something. Like she was really, really, really using it to great effect. So I think I was inspired by that, that kind of noise. I imagine some artists like yourself being able to time travel back to 1968. You're in a studio and you're, you're telling the producer, hey, here's this, this idea I have. You're like, that sounds wrong. Yeah. It sounds like the record's <laughs> popping and skipping. What are you doing? Yeah, why would you do that? Why would you do that? <laughs> but man, it, it is such a cool sound. On the second two lines, the hand claps come back in, which mm. again, it just feels like the party is just continuing on with the hand claps. Uh, these first four lines are in the high melody too. Yeah. It's in the higher uh, falsetto melody. On the third set of lines, the low melody comes in. It's louder than the high melody here, which I mentioned before. That's switched from the bridge. And the band is back in with the drums doing that shuffle beat on the hi-hat. Baby, it's a bad, bad the backing vocal happens here and this is where i put sounds robot sounding when yeah exactly crime, right when crimes are passionate can love be separate that's coming in so you're you're still getting the chorus in a weird way i love how it's swirling when is off to the left when crimes off to the right are to the left passionate mm. it goes back and forth mm. mixed in a panning uh and it just really adds and and, and i did i put robot sounding there it adds yeah. this uh el- electronica 80s thing it's great i think we actually for, for the for that final chorus i think we actually did like a vocoder thing to them to make them extra ah. robotic because they uh, by now they've Makes become sense. completely digitalized and and that's why they also sort of they pop up uh they're panned pretty extremely each word yeah and that probably also maybe explains some of that are weird stuff because i think i had to record each 
each note uh, separately, and then we could we sort of play it almost on a keyboard. That makes sense with that part we were talking about, that R part earlier. That totally makes sense with the with the panning of what you did later. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe that's why why that <laughs> maybe <was. laughs> the, the the fourth set of the of the two lyrics. Maybe it's a bad bad law. It's a bad bad law. Geronimo. Those backing vocals happen again there, and then on the very last time, uh, it just kind of happens regular. There's nothing crazy going on here, but the last eight seconds of the song from three minutes and 24 seconds to three minutes and 32, all hell breaks loose again before the song comes to an abrupt end. It's just this, this noise and this static and this chaos this yeah. outburst, as you said, comes in to end the song, and it just it just wraps up perfectly. And I'll tell you, the first time I heard it, I I, I said to myself, "What the hell did I just listen to?" <laughs> and, and and I had to re- I had to rewind it, I had to put it back on, and uh, I love the track, man. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I it, yeah, it's it's uh it's really fun to revisit it, and and I do, I'm reminded also that of course, uh you know I think this was the second album that I put out on my own um so obviously i had full control over the release and everything but i do remember that there were a couple of moments where you know people who were maybe working radio and that stuff were were like well can we get a radio edit of this because you know because uh, you know we can't get this on the radio and i and i was like i understood of course that wow this is noisy but it's just for eight seconds here and there and it's to me it's the most exciting catchy part of the song the whole song is is groovy and catchy but but to me that's the main hook is like that that feeling and so i i just refused to um to do any edits of it well and 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 good for you i've never heard (laughs) anything quite i've never heard anything quite like it it's very very different i was like this is different and that that to me is just uh it's just awesome because you know uh, music uh, comes from something else. It's derivative. We all have influences, and when you hear yeah. something like this, it really sticks. Like, wow, I haven't heard that before in a song. So, uh, props to you for that. It's awesome. Once again, the new double album, Avatars of Love, is out now. Fourteen tracks that clock in over ninety minutes of music. And uh, thank you, thank you once again for sitting in with us, man. It's been it's been a lot of fun uh, breaking down this song. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. There's lots more Chris to Makes a podcast after a few words from our sponsors. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip podcast. Hey, Chris Ophalius here. You know, the producer of the podcast that you're listening to right now. Did you know that I also host a music podcast? It's called One Hit Thunder, and it's a weekly show all about one-hit wonders. We have great guests, and we discuss one one-hit wonder artist each week. Some of the songs are great, some of them are terrible, but either way, the show is always pretty freaking good. I know, I'm biased because I host it, but seriously, go subscribe to One Hit Thunder right now. I promise you'll like it. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's band you might not know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to makes a podcast, all you have to do is email your song via MP3 only and bio to band you might not know at gmail.com. 
This week's featured artist is Ford the River, a punk rock band from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You can find their music on all the streaming sites, and here's a snippet of their song, Depression Quest. The Rap with Chris and Chris. So, Chris, I had to stop you and say, hey, man, why don't you just save what you're saying for the rap? Because as soon as you finished recording this episode, you and I just got into it talking about this song once again. But I'm like, no, hold up, hold up. So now here we are on the rap. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I was telling you a moment ago that I must have listened to this song, not even kidding, 30 times last night. I was a little overwhelmed upon first listen the other day when you had sent this track to me. And I was overwhelmed because there's just so much cool stuff coming in and out to talk about. And I'm like, this is going to take me forever to take notes on. But uh, I'm glad I did. I, I I love this song. I think that it's one of the more unique tracks that's uh, come across our desk here. It's very interesting. And those noisy parts are insane. Yeah, man. So a little backstory on this. I was going back and forth with Sandra's publicist about another artist. And then he hit me back and said, hey, I have this artist, Sandra Lurke, has this new album. I'm like, yes, we will absolutely do that. I had first been exposed to Sandra's music through my bandmate and friend, Steve, who sent me this song, Bad Law. And it's just, it was mind-blowing. I've loved this song ever since. I think it's seriously one of my favorite songs ever. I took a screenshot when you guys were recording and sent it to Steve, and he's like, please tell him that Bad Law is one of my top three songs of the decade, which I did. But yeah, man, this song is insane. It's so cool. It's unlike any other song. And I, I love it. I never get tired of this song. It really is. You know, I made mention of uh, all those seventh chords. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's all seventh chords, which adds this uh, this this texture and, and this uh, uh, little bit of tension that, that, that's really, really cool. Uh, how would you describe this song to somebody? Is it a dance song? Is it a pop song? Is it an electronica song? Is What is it? It's, it's got so many different elements to it. It is a chaotic dance pop song. Is that a, a good way to put it? I mean, <laughs> chaotic dance, chaotic dance pop. It's a new genre of music. Chaotic dance. I mean, pop, I yeah, like. it sounds so good. I love having this song cranked in my car, and when that part hits, it's just. I mean, I feel like that part, the chaotic part, rocks harder than any like hardcore or like what some some song that's supposed to be heavy i feel like that rocks harder and chris uh, I, I equated it to death metal I, yeah and, right and it's heavy and it's he- and it's heaviness yeah and it's a very unique type of heavy and chris i didn't hear either of you guys reference it this way but i've always thought of the chaotic part as <laughs> and i feel like steve and i have both talked about this using clipping using actual like clipping musically and i don't think before this song i'd ever heard that now if it's actually clipping or not i don't know it sounds like it is yeah i had talked about the 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 synth stabs sound like they were clipping uh in Mm -hmm. here so i I did make mention of that but yeah you're i guess if you were to you know instead of saying it's an outburst uh, as as sandra had mentioned it it's more of a clipping yeah it sounds it sounds like digital noise it sounds almost wrong which you mentioned a moment ago chris that you you love cranking the song up driving down the road and i had asked him i said has anybody ever 
ever said to you that like I thought my stereo was malfunctioning right. or, or something, <laughs> something was wrong. And then he talked about the radio stations were reluctant to play it this way because, you know, radio stations like to be very... Uh, What's the word? Uh, homogenized, straight and narrow. And you put something like this. This is this part is a uh, here's another word. It's disruptive. Mm -hmm. I love your point. You said about going back to uh, a studio in 1968, <laughs> like a producer <laughs> or an engineer being like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> what yeah. do you mean? But yeah. I do think that if you're going to explore new territories in music, you got to do stuff like this. You got to get wild. You, you know, if the Beatles had kept going, they eventually would have experimented with clipping, <laughs> with stuff <laughs> stuff that made it all. It's almost like, and this is a very weird comparison, but it's almost like Andy Kaufman doing that thing in his special where it made people's TVs roll and then they would go yeah. up and check their TV. It's, it's kind of like the same sort of thing. Like you said, if they would have played this on the radio, people would have been checking their stereo like, oh, there's something wrong. It's it's skipping or something here. Uh, but no, that is what is so cool about it. Nothing I'm saying is talking shit. This is seriously one of my favorite songs ever. It's amazing. Yeah, no, I had made mention of it. Sounds like all of a sudden you're in a rave scene gone bad. It's like, what is going on uh, mm -hmm. with that part? And, and I wonder, he had made mention that he's got some ambient noise and some different songs, but... You know, could he use this trick again in another song? I mean, I almost feel like, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but it, it's kind of like a one-trick pony. How do you do this again in another song? I mean, maybe another artist could, but I feel like he made the best, craziest use of this type of of of, of feel that he could have with this track. What do you think? Yeah, I think there is there is another track on this album that has something like in the realm of this. I forget which song it is. But anyway. I do think that you can use uh, these chaotic outbursts uh, because they're so effective when they're you're waiting for it. Dude, when I listen to this song, I can't wait to get to that part. Regardless, the rest of the song is great, and it's a, a feel-good, um, you know, upbeat, dancey type song, but I can't wait for that part to hit. Like, I am waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, and and let's talk about his uh, former bandmate and producer, uh, Cato Adlin. I mean, uh, the bass playing on this thing. You're a bass player. It's mm -hmm. funky. It's... But it is restrained. You get to that third verse and he only plays three notes. Right. It's like he felt like, you know what, we need a little relief before we hit this outro. And that type of restraint is some of my favorite bass players. Uh, uh, Flea will do it. I mean, that guy can play anything. And there's times when he'll just play single notes in a part. And you're like, there could have been so much more here. It's like, yeah, but how does it make you feel? <laughs> right. I mean, that's what I call tasteful bass playing. Yeah. I do, I do think it's funny that you used Flea as the example. <laughs> the guy who overplays the bass more than anyone ever, but it's awesome. You know, like, I. He, oh, yeah. He, no, I, I, I brought him be, up. I, I, yeah. brought, I brought him up because he is the Ingve Malmstein of bass, Flea. But there is times in songs where you're like, okay, he stood back. And uh, you almost wonder if that was him doing it or if that was Rick Rubin or somebody else saying you got to stay off it. Because, again, when you're that type of a bass player, when you can play that great, it's hard to stay off it. But I love his bass. I love his bass playing here. Um, I love the production of this song. It uh, it was recorded in 2014, but it sounds like it could be released today. Oh, it's a very futuristic sounding song. It, it definitely yeah. was ahead of its time. I feel like it's still ahead of its time. Even now, even eight years later, I feel like it's still ahead of its time. Chris, I love that you touched on who couldn't listen to this song and not be like, what is Geronimo? <laughs> Why is he saying Geronimo? And yeah. 
it's exactly what I would have guessed it is that he sang that because it felt good to sing. It worked phonetically. It worked syllabically. It worked. Uh, it was just a good word to sing and you couldn't change it. And he said he had learned just as everyone learns this at some point. He, if he tried to force a lyric in there that like, I don't know, made more sense or something, it's not going to sing as well. And he was yeah. just like, no, I got to do, I got to do what sounds right. And then in retrospect, you can be, you can tell yourself like, oh, this makes sense because, you know, for one reason or another, you can conv- convince yourself of why it makes sense lyrically. And I think that's the way to go always. Yeah. And, and he, he agreed when I said, it. I think, I think it works perfectly. You know, Geronimo is like a rallying cry and he, and, and he agreed. And you know what else is a rallying cry, Chris? What's that? <laughs> our rallying cry for each and every one of our listeners to leave us a five-star review. Yes, you absolutely should go to wherever you listen to podcasts if it's an option. I use Apple Podcasts to listen to podcasts. Not everyone uses that. That's what I use. But on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a five-star review and you can actually leave a written review. You can go, hey, your episode with Sandra Lurke was amazing. I agree. That's one of the best songs ever. I agree that it sounds like a song from the future. Or you could just write something more generic about how you like the show. I hope that you will leave us a (laughs) five-star review. I don't mean to assume that you love the show, but... I would assume that considering you've made it this far into the episode. I don't think you're hate listening this long. And hey, maybe maybe they could uh, leave a review how they're a supporting cast member, Chris. Yeah, sure. They could say, hey, you could join their supporting cast for the cost of buying Chris and Chris a... Uh, what do I like to drink? I like to drink... Um, I like to drink LaCroix. And for the cost of buying <laughs> us a case of uh, coconut LaCroix per month, you could get Love a it. bunch... You could get a bunch of extra episodes per month uh, of a little show we like to call the after party which eh, a lot of people tell us they like it a lot and also you can be eligible to be a contestant on our trivia game show defeat the makes and we have zoom parties and we're going to add more and more stuff to it as time goes on so if you'd like all of this go to chrisdemakes.com again that's chrisdemakes.com to join our supporting cast we'd appreciate the support if you haven't already please join the Krista makes a podcast Facebook group. We have a lot of fun in there. And give me a follow on Instagram at less than Chris D. Want to thank this week's guest, Mr. Sandra Lerke, for being on with us, and we'll see you next week. Do you enjoy the content and production of Krista Makes a Podcast? Do you have an idea for a podcast or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field, and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.